Science Faction is a show about unbelievable discoveries. Science Faction! You're listening to Science Faction. It is raining spiders in Australia. Baby spiders are falling from the skies. The New South Wales town of Goulburn experienced an interesting weather pattern when millions of baby spiders took to the skies, jumping from trees and using their webs as parachutes. The town was invaded by the creepy crawlies as homes and gardens were reportedly covered with the spiders and mounds of their silky threads. Forget about raining cats and dogs. Earlier this year, millions of spiders seemingly rained down from the sky in southern Australia, covering the ground in a thick layer of white. Making it look almost like the thick of Canadian winter, but in the southern tablelands of Australia, in fall. It's not totally clear how and why this particular event happened, but one possible explanation for what are called ballooning events like this one is that spiders might be escaping huge rainfalls by building themselves a sort of hot air balloon that can lift them to higher and drier grounds. It's sort of like backwards skydiving. And it's thanks to the wonders of spider silk that they can build something that's strong enough to lift them off the ground and ride the wind to safety. Spider silk is so strong that it's now being used not only by spiders, but also by humans, and in many different, often weird ways. Stronger than most human-made materials, research shows that spider silk can be used to catch airplanes, stop trains, and block gunshots. Today on Science Faction, we're talking all about spider silk superpowers. Science Faction 101. We speak in the thousand most used words. The researchers we talk to don't. These thousand words come from the Upgur 5 text editor. Made by scientist Theo Sanderson. <laughs> Theo Sanderson. We build on these accepted words using prefixes and suffixes. And we allow the use of numbers and names. From the names of people and places. To the names of life forms and scientific fields. We see these few little exceptions as key to bringing you stories factually and informatively. And now for the show. One more exception that we just can't get around in today's show is using the word silk. You know that whitish, strong, but soft material that comes straight out of spiders to make their spider webs? Yeah, that stuff. Silk. Well, that silk stuff is actually the second strongest biological material known, ever. You're wondering what's the first? We used to think it was spider silk until earlier in 2015, when researchers from Queen Mary University of London found out that the teeth of limpet snails, which are used to tear algae off of rocks, are actually way, way stronger. But it didn't take spider silk very long to catch up. Now, researchers from the University of Trento in Italy have found that spiders can make silk as strong as limpet teeth. But only when the spiders are first showered in water that has a special type of carbon in it can they really make this super silk. Three and a half times stronger than the real deal, this super silk could actually catch an airplane falling from the sky. And so, limpet teeth have met their match in strength, carbon spider silk. That's got to be what Spider-Man has coursing through his blood. You would think, right? 
But even if Spider-Man just had regular old silk shooting from his hands, it would actually be strong enough to do most of the incredible things that Spider-Man uses silk for. Like stopping a racing train from rushing off its tracks. And a group of researchers from Utah State University actually did Spider-Man science to prove that it's possible. There is a scene where Spider-Man stops a passenger train from crashing. So we found out how much a train locomotive weighs. We found out how much a passenger car weighs. We found out how much each of those, um, how many people were, you know, roughly how many people were in there. So this is how much weight the whole train weighed. Then if you look in the movie, there is a, a scene there where they show how fast it's going. So we were able to calculate how fast it was going. Um, that told us how much energy was being was generated there. Um, then we went back and looked and, and saw how many uh, lines that Spider-Man put out against the wall, um, roughly calculated how thick they were, um, and putting all those things together, we figured that um, he actually could stop the train and had about a 50% surplus in the amount of energy it was taken to break um, all of those um, fibers that he attached to the walls. So in real life, Spider-Man could actually save the day. But there is one catch. The only interesting caveat to that was is that we also calculated that he would have had to eaten about 80 pounds of steak a day to have created enough protein for him to do it. So there was that small problem that he could never eat enough protein to generate as much silk as he showed shooting out. This is Dr. Randy Lewis, a scientist on the leading edge of spider silk research. I am Randy Lewis. I am a U-Star professor of biology at Utah State University. For the last number of years, we have been studying spider silk, uh, spider silk proteins, and particularly how do we make quantities of this material to use for commercial purposes. Randy wants to make a lot of silk so his team can try out the many ways silk could be used by humans. Silk could replace a good number of our everyday materials and maybe even do a better job at it. The mechanical properties of spider silk are pretty amazing. The combination of both a very high strength uh, and a very high flexibility and stretchability, they really provide the, the unique characteristics of spider silk. This super material can be used in a lot of ways. As replacements for things like Kevlar and carbon fibers, some other kinds of plastics, sports clothing for parachute cords, for parachutes, sails, a lot of things other than fibers, thin films. For adhesives, we are stronger than a number of commercial glues. We can glue almost anything you can imagine together. We can do wood, we can do plastic, we can do Teflon, we can even do silicone um, and metals to glue together. Gels, we make uh, a very interesting sponge, coating detectors that people put down in wells. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. But to get enough silk to do all of these things, putting spiders to work is not our best bet. They have two serious personality defects. The first is, is that they are territorial. And the second is that they're cannibalistic. If you put two in a container, one will kill the other. They're actually crazier than, than that. They actually end up killing each other. Um, and you'll have two dead spiders and, and nothing to work with. Instead, what Randy does is he uses other, friendlier animals to make his silk. And he gives them the spider's ability to make silk. We cloned the first spider silk gene. Which they inserted into four different plants and animals. We currently have four options for producing the spider silk protein. First, transgenic goats. Goats only produce the spider silk protein in the milk. 
when the does uh, are lactating following giving birth. Second, E. coli, a standard sort of bacteria to use for these kinds of studies. We transferred the genes into bacteria. Third, we've also made transgenic silkworms. The silkworms produce a combination of our spider silk protein and their silkworm cocoon protein. And finally, fourth, alfalfa, the plant. These four plants and animals each put out the material needed to make silk in their own way. We precipitate that out, um, we give it a good wash, then we freeze dry it. And that's really our starting material then for making fibers and films and gels um, and all of those sorts of things. Randy's team has managed to turn these animals part spider so they can make silk that's almost as good as the real deal. We actually match or exceed the elasticity of the natural spider silks. But we're only about half to, at the best, two-thirds as strong. This way, they get around the whole problem of spiders killing each other off and are able to make enough silk so they can try out the many new uses of spider silk. One of the most unforeseen uses of spider silk came to Randy from a very unexpected place. She, she, she contacted us completely out of the blue. Um, she kind of proposed the idea of bulletproof skin. This is she. I'm uh, Shalila Asadi. My profession is an artist, but I call myself a, a hybrid. I'm very uh, much interested by science and uh, nature. She lives and works in the Netherlands, where she is first and foremost an artist. But one of her favorite pastimes is to read up on scientific papers and discoveries. In 2005, I stumbled on Randy Lewis, his research with the spider goats, and got really fascinated about goats who carry the gene of the golden orb beaver to produce spider silk in the milk. One of the applications was for a bulletproof vest, but I thought, why even bother with bulletproof vests? What if we take it one step further? What if you created bulletproof human skin? For Shalila, reading Randy's paper reminded her of something she'd heard before about Genghis Khan's horsemen, who wore silk armor to keep anything that was shot their way from embedding in their skin. She wondered, could this be taken one step further? Could spider silk be put right into a person's skin to stop a gunshot? Our own human skin is the barrier between our inner world and the outer world, which is dangerous and full of harm. It's a story about our desire as a human, as a society, to be invulnerable, to be better, healthier, live longer. So Shalila reached out to Randy to see what he thought about her idea. We all kind of appreciated the novelty of the idea. He liked it, and they all ran with it. Randy and his team would take care of making the silk, and Shalila would see to getting it inside the skin. We collected the, uh, the cocoons, um, we unwrapped them, we got the silk all cleaned up so that it would be as biocompatible as possible. Um, we shipped it off to her, um, then she got it woven into, uh, into a fabric and they, uh, the group over there uh, in, in the Netherlands was able to get the skin to grow onto the surface and then they did the ballistic testing. Shalila pulled together people from many different countries. I did not only work with Randy Lewis, we worked also with some scientists from the dermatology department from the Leiden University and with the Forensic Genomic Consortium and the Dutch Forensic Ballistic Department. And we worked also with uh, some companies in Korea, China and Germany to weave the spider silk. Once each of these groups did their part, the prototype of human spider skin was ready. And we shot at it with the .20 long rifle uh, caliber bullet. Shalila's idea worked. Human spider skin stopped a gunshot, firing half as fast as normal. Never before has human skin done this, 
And with a bit more work, it's likely that even the fastest gunshots could be stopped in their tracks, thanks to spider silk. So at the heart of it, this was Shalila's art. But it brought up a lot of important ideas and questions about the possible real-life uses of silk. As Shalila and Randy's work made headlines, they started getting interest from lots of different people. I got a lot of uh, applications uh, by mail from soldiers all over the world who offered themselves as, as a prototype to test improve human skin on. They also heard from people concerned about who gets the skin and how. People wanted to know. If the skin will also be available in black and if only the rich ones would get the skin. I think it's part of the work and I think it's important that we as society think about those questions and think it's not only with the bulletproof skin but also with other biotech materials and protocols. Uh, what is the implication for society, not, not only now but in the future? These are very important causes for concern, ones we need to think about and talk about. But whether or not this spider skin can actually save lives is a whole other question. Even if this new skin could one day fully stop a gunshot, the force of the shot is still there. And this alone could kill you. Your organs and your bones uh, would break anyways. Inescapably, with better skin, better gunshots would come too. You know, somebody's just going to make a better bullet. It's not an improvement because if, if you have a bulletproof skin, then someone else uh, will invent better bullets. It becomes an arms race, a struggle to build better, faster, and stronger arms than the next guy. Uh, we call it in Dutch Waterwetloop. Because of this, it's unlikely that spider skin will take off in any serious way. You know, this is probably a good thing. After all, do we really want to be making unstoppable armies? Are we really okay with changing the human species? This raises a lot of questions. Do we need it? Uh, is it necessary to feel really safe? Nonetheless, a lot of good has come out of this work. Bulletproof skin uh, brought a lot of stories and a, and a lot of imagination for people and things to think of and talk about, but it has also led to innovation. From our perspective, the most amazing thing for us was the fact that you actually could grow human skin, full layer, all the layers, effectively on the, the silk fabric, which means that you know it, it really is very biocompatible. That list of spider silk uses that we presented at the start of this show just got longer. On top of its uses for outdoor activities and as a super material, spider silk can also be used in the field of medicine for things like artificial ligaments, tendons, bandages for burn victims. We're looking at coatings. We can put things like antibiotics and anti-clotting agents into those to coat medical devices. The gels we're looking at is as possible uh, drug delivery. Our materials are very biocompatible so that you could have muscle or, or something else grow it back in. So in a sense, one day we could all become Spider-Men and Spider-Women. In earlier science faction shows, we've often looked at how different scientific fields have come together to lead to unbelievable discoveries. But we don't often hear about this type of partnership between an artist and a scientist that leads to groundbreaking work. The last words of the day go to Shalila. I think we have one main goal, and that is to discover the world and try to understand the world. And a scientist and an artist each on their own way are curious beings and fascinated by all kinds of materials from nature. I'm producer Nick Schofield. 
Thanks for listening to episode 7 of Science Faction, Spider Silk Superpowers. Science Faction is Dalal Hanna and Andrea Reed with sounds and music made by Nick Schofield and is supported by Jeanne Volontaire. Visit us online at sciencefaction.ca. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, thanks again.